Hey, that's not rubbish. Hey guys, it's Lexi, and this is That's Not Rubbish, the one and only podcast on all things upcycled. And today we're here with Alex Kelly, the founder of Vintage Wasteland. Hello. And you're an upcycler who illustrates really intricate and edgy kind of Western and nature graphics onto suede pieces. I mean, you have a variety of pieces, but it's kind of like your signature. And who doesn't love the Western aesthetic? You have a very cool retro take on it. It's yeah. very in right now, too. Oh. The Western look has just exploded over the last few months. Oh, we've gone crazy places with it, like the space cowboy. Like, that was nuts. But That's always a good place to go. I don't hate it. I kind of love it. <laughs> and then your pieces also look like, or the graphics look kind of almost like traditional tattoos, which I think people will really like. And then people are really liked hearing about the history of upcycling and fashion at large. You know, it's interesting hearing like the fashion origins, like how we do it, even like the shopping and sizing. And you know a lot about that. So we'll have you share a bit of your expertise. I wouldn't call me an expert, but I do like watching documentaries about it. <laughs> that makes an expert. As a 2023 expert. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, we'll do a little bit of good news. You know the drill. Mm -hmm. This one's, I mean, they're always nuts, but two words. Oyster yarn. That's interesting. Yeah. Initial thoughts. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Yarn is out of my realm. I have too many hobbies. I can't pick up knitting or crochet. Fair enough. We'll leave it to the to Massachusetts because mm -hmm. this Long Wharf Supply Co., a Massachusetts-based knitwear brand, is knitting garments out of yarn spun from oyster shells. I know. Interesting. It's impressive. They have this panted. They patent this nanotechnology to process oyster shells into like a powder, a calcium carbonate powder. And they combine that with pellets made from recycled water bottles, creating a thread. So win-win, each garment saves like five oyster shells and like eight plastic water bottles from, from landfills. So it's nice. Sounds like a good deal. Why not? <laughs> and then don't worry, it's safe for shellfish allergies. <laughs> <laughs> We'll still process at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's like not even oyster shell, but I didn't even know they put oyster shells in landfills. So news to me. Well, I mean, a lot of that stuff just gets tossed and it's great that there's so many people that are looking to find ways to use those things now. Agreed. I like how they incorporate the, the plastic water bottles too. And mm -hmm. it's still said to be very, very soft. So I'll try it. Why not? Yeah. Good deal. Well, bless you for being here, Alex. You just got your wisdom teeth taken out. How are you hanging in there? Are you drooling? No, um, I'm doing better than I was last week. Uh, I was really quite miserable last week, um, especially since I'm older getting them out. It was more rough than if you get them out when you're younger, but I'm glad it's over. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Did you get all four removed? Yeah, it was mm. really not fun. Well... 
Well, I'm so proud of you for being here. Thank you so much. You're a trooper. <laughs> you're an animal. Well done. <laughs> and like I said, your pieces involve a lot of unique graphics and or stamped thrifted pieces, which are heavily influenced on nature. I mean, folklore and my personal mm-hmm. favorite, like the, the edgy cowgirl smoking a cigarette. So mm-hmm. tell us your story. What about your life and interests it's, inspires your pieces? Where do they come from? So I grew up in a very small town that had a lot of Western influence. So like lots of cattle ranches and stuff. So I've always been around like that style. Yeah. Um, I moved Where did you grow up? Up in Northern California um, near Redding. So lots of rural areas. I rode horses and competed and did all that kind of stuff. Um, did FFA and just did a lot of that. Um, moved down to Southern California with my grandparents who have a farm and we're both retired veterinarians. Animals have always been part of my everything, yeah. um, but I've always been artistic. And during the pandemic, I had a lot of free time. So I started drawing and <laughs> I nanny. So I would draw while the kids were on online school and just got more and more artistic through that period of time. A lot of free time then, okay. but I started with embroidering and that was extremely hard on my hands. So I needed to find something else and I eventually saw someone on Depop drawing on clothes and went I can do that and here I am <laughs> nice so you like so do you do any sewing at all or just the drawing I don't sew on pieces that I'm selling typically I do that for myself but it's so time consuming and I will frequently just leave projects if I start sewing on them you do. so I keep it drawing for the stuff that I'm going to sell. Well, it's really cool that like, I mean, there's a place in the upcycling world for people that don't have an interest in sewing. Like if you're just artistic, you like to draw, which a lot of people do, then there's a place for you and there's a way to, to spice up clothes for sure. Totally. And I mean, it's easy as getting a Sharpie. That's what I use. It's nothing fancy. You don't have to get crazy with it. Sharpies stay. You just heat set them. And I have pants I have washed on normal cycle, like at least 10, 15 times. And sure, it's faded a little bit, but you can still see all the details. Oh my God. And what's it like drawing on? We use a lot of suede. I mean, you use a lot of other materials, but suede is like your signature, which I love. So what's it like drawing on suede with a Sharpie? It takes up the ink beautifully out of all the materials that i have drawn on with the sharpies i most prefer drawing on the suede um because it just holds the pigment very nicely it doesn't bleed it doesn't um like in some of the lighter cottons it can bleed and fuzzy the lines Mm -hmm. it just holds up very very well and looks very crisp and nice so it's by far my favorite to work with and it's fun to have Sweet. yeah wonderful it is wonderful it definitely has a it has a cool energy to it it's like rustic homey and durable you know definitely very durable that's the nice thing about leathers and suede is the durability and lifespan of it 
you can get a thrifted piece and it can last you years and years if you take care of it. Totally. And like faux leather, I know it might like, you might think it looks the same, but it's not going to last as long. And it's plastic. It's just going to deteriorate and not be usable in a few years or even after one wash, depending on the uh, material. Yeah. How good. How good of your plastic. <laughs> well, your pieces are like the graphics are very like intricate and you're right. They're very crisp. Like they don't bleed. So your wizard looks great. What materials do you like wearing? Hmm, wearing? I mean, I'll do anything. It's if it fits and I like it. I'm a bit weird with my looks. I have quite a wide variety of things um, that I have curated over the years for myself. So I'll sway from like prairie cottage core, first grade teacher look to um, lighter, more funky stuff. I, I wish you could wear hats more like casually because I have a bunch of funky hats, but going to the grocery store with like a velvet hat with like an ostrich feather coming out of it is not I don't see the problem that's true right, it doesn't pass the grocery store test I get it but you're yeah. a western girl like hats are your staple that's true and I when I go riding and do outside work I do wear hats I've got a really nice leather hat that I wear quite frequently when I'm working in the winter time especially in the summer I tend to stick with straw stuff because it's lighter but Dang. okay um, are there any yeah. materials that you love to wear but hate to work with um I mean the linens I really like linens in summertime um but they're not fun to work with either embroidery or drawing embroidery pulls them because they're so light of a fabric and they just don't look right, right. and the um drawing it just doesn't fit on them they they bleed it just looks funky it's hard to get them right that's fair. Well, stick to your niche. I love the suede look. Yeah. And like, what is like your design process like? Like how long does it take to create, say, one suede jacket with like a big cowgirl illustration on the back? It depends on the day and how <laughs> I'm feeling because okay. it's a mood, you know, that you get into. Mm -hmm. True. true. Um, you have to, I scroll through like Google or Instagram and I save different art pieces along the way that kind of inspire me and something that I'd like to recreate in my own style or pull inspiration from. So there's quite a bit of time that goes into that, but that's pretty casual. Um, one of the bigger pieces, it can take me about three hours sometimes, an hour and a half others. It depends on the day. It depends on the mood. It depends on... <laughs> the aligning of the stars <laughs> good good mood thursday 3 p.m 12 stars in the sky <laughs> knock it out <laughs> <laughs> i like to hear it well i'll, I'll get back to you on thursday <laughs> maybe not this thursday because i have a lot of homework due but um next thursday, possibly next thursday. <laughs> okay you just let me know <laughs> okay well fair enough fair enough and then, um, so the graphics themselves, I see a lot of rabbits, you know, like frog on a toad stool. You add a little bit of like a little character to like these animals. And like, that's why I'm saying like folklore, like they seem to be very mm -hmm. inspired by 
maybe like stories or like the books that you would read and then kind of meshed in with like the traditional tattoo look. So how do you get the inspiration behind the style of your art and drawings? Um, it depends on the style of the piece I'm working on largely because you know sometimes a piece needs a more like western rugged look and sometimes it needs something a little more light yeah. uh, or I'll start out one way and it'll go another so you just have to kind of work with that. I really like frogs that's my thing I collect frog stuff yeah. <laughs> My friends over the years, every birthday, they give me like frog themed items. So I do really like drawing them. Yeah. Um, and then giving them some character. I have a pair of pants that I made myself that just has frogs doing various activities like fishing and sitting on a pipe smoking or holding an umbrella. Awesome. Uh, just, you know, the clothes that I want to wear are the ones that I'm trying to make because you don't see them. Exactly. And it's like, you know them best, right? If, if they're you, like, who's going to tell you you're wrong? Exactly. And right. it may not be for everybody, but I'm having a good time. So hey, it's for the frog lovers and everyone. It's funny, like everyone does kind of have like their own like animal or like symbol. I guess it's like your spirit animal. Is a frog your spirit animal? Mm. Um, I think I would probably be a duck, okay. not a frog, but they're up there, too. Please tell me why you frog are a frog. duck. Well, how do you resonate with the ducks? I don't know. I just, I feel like I would be a duck. And I've had <laughs> several people agree with that. So. I won't question it when you know, you know. It's one of those yeah. things you feel each other. You get it. Maybe you were a duck in your past life. Maybe. I wish I could be in this life too. It doesn't seem like too bad of a life. Not fair. Go swim. Poop on people. Yeah. Make lots of noise. Yeah. I like how they like don't get wet. That's crazy to me. Yeah, very interesting because the babies don't either. Like the babies, they don't know how to groom themselves. So yeah. you put them in the water after a while, they will sink because their mom normally does that. So if you have like baby ducklings by themselves, you have to be careful with the amount of water that you put them in. Oh my God, we got to get you some ducklings. I have enough ducks right now. I have oh. five. One of them's like 11 years old too. She no way. What is the lifespan like of a duck? I think that's like quite old. Uh, 12 max, maybe? I'm not sure, but she is an old lady duck. There's just some things that never cross your mind, you know? Like, I've never thought about that before. <laughs> a duck's lifespan. That is crazy. Well, I, I'm obsessed with your life. Like, the whole, like, farm life. You're living on a farm. Like, you must be so connected to nature. You said you're living on an avocado farm. Yeah. What's My that like? grow avocados. Um loud sometimes sometimes you'll wake up at like seven in the morning to a tractor that's scraping something by um but I'm very spoiled I can't eat like store-bought avocados because they taste funny oh. so um that's serious problem right there I just go outside pick them but then you have to wait two weeks for them to get ripe so there's that too um but uh, it's it's nice. I like being away from everybody and being able to have my critters and um, just go outside and walk around. That was really nice during like the pandemic. Yeah, it must be. I'm, I know probably lots of times it must be so peaceful and 
in nice and I can definitely see how your life has influenced your pieces today. So it's been cool to hear about that. Mm-hmm. So I know some of us just celebrated Thanksgiving all about the pilgrims and Native Americans, but come on, the cowboy life is so much more glamorous and fashionable. So let's fast forward. Tell us about the cowboy life, the origins. You sent me that queer cowboy video, which I did not get to watch, but oh my God, just it sounds great. So still. Well, being a cowboy was a job for everybody. The people that didn't want to be part of society or who wanted, you know, more equal pay because all cowboys of all races got the same pay. Okay. Um, But it ended up because they were gone for months and months at a time, um, a place where a lot of gay men could be together. And that closeness also provided those relationships as well. You see companionship when you're lonely. Um, And the different ideas, uh, the, the sexualities weren't, defined like they are today yeah uh, different ideas of the whole thing um but that whole image got changed with like the spaghetti westerns and john wayne so it's like the macho man now like the marlboro commercials like you used it oh my god like being a cop even the barbie movie like ken goes to the real world and he sees like the cops on horses and the patriarchy and cowboys and like it literally is like a symbol for like masculinity so it is funny yeah and it wasn't that for the people (laughs) who were there (laughs) so it's it's very interesting how that perception has like drastically shifted I mean the same thing with like pirates they also had gay relationships because they were out at sea for long times together and it was just your crew so this is not a new thing and it's been around forever but they get ignored when you start putting it into the modern perspective of like these macho men going out there and with their guns and they weren't all white either. Like most of them, like John Wayne um, and that image is just what has been drilled into us from like the fifties movies. And I mean, my grandfather growing up always had something like that on the TV. So I've seen a lot of those and it's not the accurate depiction of a cowboy life. It's interesting. Like once you're away from all the clatter and like the noise and the judgment of society, like you are so free, you can do whatever you want. So it's amazing how much society's opinions will dictate our life and behavior, which I mean, isn't a new concept, but I mean, it, it's so cool to hear. I mean, I'm just, I'm stuck on the whole cowboy thing. Like I, I didn't know about the secret life and how they're more of a symbol for the opposite of masculinity. Like if you don't fit in a box or if you don't want to conform, you, you're a cowboy. Yeah. And it's starting to shift back to that. Cause you see like the gay cowboy look um, and uh, just that whole idea is coming back. So it's interesting to see that shift again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do like it I need to get myself a pair of chaps that's for sure yeah they're fun especially the ones with the fringe Ooh, I need some fringe I want a little pad and I don't just want like a pair of brown ones like cow print pink that'd be fun they make these they're called like woolies they're goat skin but they have the fur so for the winter time so when you're out riding it's super warm 
but they look they're so much fun because they're all fluffy wait speaking of the practicality of like clothes and like chaps with cowboys like if chaps are buttless they're probably not great to ride horses in well you're you're wearing jeans under the chaps so you have your chaps over the jeans because those are more durable if you're riding like out in the desert there's the cactus and there's the barbed wire fences or, you know, it'll protect your clothing more from the wear and tear that might brush against your legs, sharp rocks, um, cacti, other things. Um, you can kneel on the ground easier, a little bit of padding. It's It just provides that extra protection for your base layers. Yeah, see how interesting it is hearing like the function behind things, like they make so much more sense. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad we're here, here today to, to show us this stuff. And then also, I mean, it's kind of hard to nail down sustainable outerwear, which you do a lot of, and we're deep mm-hmm. into fall, way past halfway. What have been some of your favorite, like, fall trends so far? Um, not necessarily my favorite, but I've seen so much metallic. Like, everything is metallic right now, specifically silver. Yeah, I've seen like silver pants or like a jumpsuit. I got a silver shirt at a thrift store a few weeks ago, but it's like gray that has a shift that's silver. Yeah. Um, but everything is metallic. Um, you do see a lot of the outerwear, like blazers are very in. I like that. Um, especially the boxier cut blazers. It's not so much the cropped, tightly tailored ones. They're a little bit more boxy um, looking. Well, like unisex, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting combination of like harsh silhouettes and like very feminine ones. I agree. Mm -hmm. You see like the ballet aesthetic coming a lot, but like the industrial kind of rigid shapes, which is an interesting combination. I think that everything is becoming more industrial. Like I, like you said, like with the metallic, it's more gray, silver, instead of like golds. Like I think our neutrals are shifting color palettes to more like the cooler grays instead of like the warmer browns. But yeah, yeah, you're right. There's definitely been like a mix of things. And I will say, maybe it's just me, but I'm quite proud of, of the transitional piece game this year. Like, I feel like I've seen a lot of people incorporate pieces that have already been in their closet instead of like buying a lot of stuff. Like, I feel like when I go on TikTok, there's not like five pairs of Uggs. Everyone's like screaming at me to buy. Like, I feel like we've been pretty good about that this year. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm proud of us. We're like the denim maxi skirts or long skirts in general, Mm -hmm. like loafers and Mary Janes. Like, we've been rocking those for like a year now. And it's much faster. They're so versatile too, because you can layer them um, or, you know, uh, they make like fleece line tights now that you could get. Yeah. Um, I like um, it. I like yeah. That. So fabulous. I believe it. No, I, I like that. Um, we need to have more durable things anyways. Like, um, I guess, I guess there was like one boot style that everyone is obsessed with. Like the one with like the ring decal on it. I think they're called like the book boots. I don't know. But they're, they seem like a good, durable boot, so I'm okay with it. Like, when you're seeing more outfits revolved around shoes, like, pick a good pair of durable shoes, you know? So I'm with it. Sure. If that's well, where you're going to spend your money, shoes are the place to do it. Because 
it makes a world of a difference to have a good, comfortable, long-lasting shoe. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe last year we were just so being like thrown all these shoes, but now like maybe we picked up some durable ones and that's why they're still alive this year. That would be hopeful. Fingers crossed that that's the case. And next year, <laughs> can we do it? Well, what's your go-to fall look? Um, it depends on if I'm going to work or not. I'm a nanny, so um, I need something that's comfortable. Um, in the colder part of fall, usually it'll be like, I try and wear tights and dresses. I have a lot of wool dresses that I've collected. I really like those or skirts um and like the mock neck shirts or sweaters I really love those um or a good turtleneck um but earlier fall I layer I'll have like lighter base clothes um I have a pair of green jeans I've had for a few years now that are my go-to I put suspenders on them so I'll add those um I shift all the time. I don't really have a go-to look. I'll wear one outfit that I really like for a few weeks at a time, like repeating yeah. it multiple times, and then I'll move on to another one. Yeah. Like a cartoon character or something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, I can totally resonate with that. It's like, I feel like a shirt a month, and that's like my shirt. Um, so, winter trend predictions. Ooh. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Hmm. Um, I think we'll keep on like the blazer trend. Mm -hmm. We'll probably see some more like thicker ones, probably not wool based necessarily because fast fashion doesn't like wool. Oh, um, they could never, they could never pull it off. They couldn't and the higher it does, but <laughs> no, it's, it's such a useful material but they don't do and it. Yeah. it keeps you so <laughs> much warmer too. Um, yeah. so probably we'll see like or the, the faux looking wool stuff like keeping the blazer trend going I don't see that going away anytime I soon say, I don't see it going away especially with the rise of like non-binary like fashion options like it's such a good classic look like it's so versatile having a matching blazer and pants set like the tracksuit any color like your green jeans I love love it to see like a green suit so yeah I don't see that going away any season or anytime soon yeah yeah it's and, like, it does give you a nice androgynous look um okay. and it's always nice to have when you're not feeling it yeah um, like, who am I I don't know let me just put on this freaking blazer <laughs> yeah my, my three-piece suit you know just casual <laughs> <laughs> figure it out <laughs> yeah um what else I don't even know. Things change so fast and I can't hardly keep up with them. Well, you can't. I, I agree. And honestly, I guess like I'm kind of hopeful with the fall. Like I think we'll still see a lot of the trends we are seeing now, like the ribbons and like kind of like big decals, like the big flowers and stuff. And I think we'll still see a lot of baggy clothes, like the cargos mm -hmm. and pants and then layering frills and thrills. But on the other side of the spectrum, call me crazy. I think people are going to completely ignore the weather and be naked, like no pants. Like what I mean by this is I think there's going to be a lot of like sock and tight layering, like you've talked mm -hmm. about. And then like with like a giant jacket or like, I guess like boots are going to be like the outfit, like kind of like, cause I mean, leggings and skinny jeans are, have been out for a while, 
So yeah. I think it's going to be either like Bella Hadid on the way to the gym or like practical baggy layering fun. It's the athleisure yeah. look is going to shift to winter time. Yeah. Like chic athleisure kind of vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the industrial streetwear look meets chic. Yeah. My prediction. Anna Wintour, I let me totally know. I totally see that happening, especially <laughs> here in Southern California. That's pretty much what everybody wears. Yeah, it's, it's like the California, New York kind of look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The city girl look. Well, that was fun. I always liked that game. Because, <laughs> I mean, trends dictate a lot. I mean, it dictates the fashion industry, your day-to-day, but they do always come back. Exactly. Everything recycles. It's a huge turning wheel. I know. I don't know why we stress it so much. Like the last three years alone, I've been revolved around like the Y2K, early 2000s look meets cottage core. So it's like, what, like 1800s? So it's like 20 years ago meets 200 years ago. <laughs> like It's always a mix and match. And then you have like the 70s stuff tossed in there too. Um, A lot of the 90s kind of like witchy trends where you're wearing um, lots of kind of dark, fun pattern things. Yeah. Um, It's always interesting to see just that whole recycling. And a lot of it tends to be too when the younger generation starts to get old enough to have their own money. Yeah. Then what people were wearing that they saw when they were kids and that they wanted to wear but they were too young Uh that's coming back right yes please mom parents keep your wardrobes please like you're saving us money and time and stress like your clothes is going to come back so you might as well just cut the chit chat you know i mean half my pants are from my aunt's old closet like i have a bunch of her old jeans um and when those got holes in them they became short so i put patches over them so I have quite a few of her old clothing mixed <laughs> into my wardrobe. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Exactly. But it is interesting hearing like the history behind like our pieces, like even the corset, like that's a historical trend. I mean, and now it's like a going out staple. Like I was in college, like not too long ago. And like everyone's wearing a corset. Like it's just like, yeah exactly but it's not even like an actual corset it's more like a stays (laughs) which was the softer non-boned i like corset yeah because that changed throughout time when you went through like the industrial revolution the corset and the victorians but for a long period of time it was a softer like more um support garment um which snatched Exactly. Flat stomach, full skirt. And also the back support. I have right. a, a spine that is like a slinky. That would be wonderful to have. It is regularly. a good thing we're wearing corsets because with the digital age, our posture is so bad. <laughs> so they need to built in back posture help with these corsets. Pretty little thing, please. <laughs> you know, uh, it would be nice. But um, I mean, I, I do love like the silhouette that that gives you of the lacing like the prairie misfit mm-hmm. corset belts oh my god oh, I, love those. I have like three of hers um that i've like collected over like four years now okay. um my favorite obviously is the cow print um <laughs> but i have a sunflower one too and then i made a couple of my own as well just kind of drafting patterns with fabric I found at thrift stores 
no, seriously. I mean, it's just crazy how this idea of upcycling has, has changed so much, how there's even a word for it. I mean, I love the word. I think it's great. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like back in the first episode of That's Not Rubbish, we quickly ran through the history of upcycling, like kind of defined by each decade. And, you know, doing the research for the episode, it was really interesting to hear that upcycling was just something done by the rich and poor. Like royal families, they would cherish their fabric so much that they would have their like personal tailor mm -hmm. simply take their old dress and turn it into a new one. Not because they're poor and they like need to hold on to their to their scraps of fabric because that's like all they have, but because they wanted it to be all they had. It was so amazing. And textiles were expensive. Yeah, I mean, they probably, probably still are. The good ones. I mean, they, they have gotten more so, but before the Industrial Revolution, every piece of fabric had to be hand-woven. They had to spin the thread and weave the fabric. And so there was so many steps and so much labor in every little piece from the, like the lace all had to be hand done and you don't think about that because now you just go to a right. store and you buy it but those were cherished and used and those dresses yeah. used so much fabric take it apart and redo it yeah i mean and like not to mention it's heavily practiced in other countries and cultures like I'm Mexican, we are not very quick to throw things away. And if you see something that could be used again, like, why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't we? So, I mean, I shouldn't even mm -hmm. say practice. I mean, just something that we, that we just do. So like, why do you think our society is so late? Like, why has this perspective changed? I mean, we've gotten fast fashion. Is it a perspective thing? I think it's a perspective, but I also think it's like, it's not being in touch so much with our roots because a lot of people don't like, I really love ancestry and mm -hmm. like the history of my family. I love to learn about that. I live with my grandparents. So I, I know a lot about like that life that they lived and how they go about things. And it's always been like, don't waste it. But a lot of people don't have that. And, you know, just go buy a whole new wardrobe every season is not the practical idea and it's not like the old fashioned idea. And, you know, some of those old fashioned ideas are okay to keep around, like being more sustainable in our clothing. No, like seriously, like why is it like a grandma thing? Like why is sewing like a grandma thing? Like you tear your jeans or a button comes off, you buy something that's a size too big. And like, it isn't a major life scale or hack to like be able to make these quick fixes instead of like doubling up on the money and time to just like buy another pair. So, I mean, it's just surprising that like sewing is like grandma core. I think it's like the, the, also the cheapness of the clothing too, because there's the mass product, mass producing sweatshops that make these clothes for so cheap. You can't make that piece for that much on your own. It's going to be much more expensive. And also the space. Sewing takes up a lot of space with like hoarding your fabric so you have stuff and the sewing machine and <laughs> the setup costs are expensive. So it's not as accessible for people who have to live in small apartments or just have to rent a room. 
um, which makes it difficult, but there are ways that you can do it without going all in. You don't have to sew all your clothing. You can alter or like Frankenstein pieces from the thrift store into something new, cut off the arms of one thing and sew it onto another. And it's not that difficult. It just takes a little practice. Or you can draw on them like you do, you know? Exactly. Or stamp them. Go to Michael's and get a rubber stamp if you don't like what your clothing piece is now and stamp all over it. There's the speedball printing kits that you can get and you can just do a little roller and stamp all over your clothing and iron it and you're good to go. All of a day. There you go. So like, why do you think this, like our society has this perspective now? Given how we get used to. The fast paced work lifestyle that we have now, I think time is a big aspect. And also, you know, our mm-hmm. parents didn't do it um, by the time that they were buying us clothes or worrying about that kind of stuff. It was cheap enough for them to buy clothing rather than have to make it for the large scale. Um, whereas like their parents, if they were poorer, they had to sell all the kids clothes. And also prices, I mean, fabric prices are more expensive than going and buying a new clothing piece. And I think that has just gotten worse and worse as accessibility to cheap, fast clothes and social media that changes trends every two seconds has gotten more and more and more prevalent. Yeah. And also like, I'm thinking like marketing, like, I feel like like the way that marketing fast fashion is marketed is it makes it feel like they tell you it's going to be easier it's going to be faster it's going to get there to you in three days it's only going to cost 13 dollars when the grants like they don't tell you this isn't going to last one wash you're going to have to buy another one in two weeks like you're going to spend double the money by the time you get the use out of it you're going to be you could have just bought one good durable high quality item so yeah, I just, I feel like it's funny how, like, we think it's easier and we're saving money and saving time, but in the reality, like, we're just, we're doing it more times. And the marketing is so good, too, because it makes you feel like you're missing out on it. Everybody's got one of these. I don't necessarily want to be like everybody, but mm, that one thing kind of looks nice, looks convenient. I could work that into my wardrobe. And we're all guilty of the occasional fast fashion purchase. I try to mostly get my clothes from a thrift store, but, you know, every once in a while, either like the Target clearance section as my best friend or those basic staple pieces, you know? Yeah. And sometimes, like, honestly, at the thrift store, you can't find your size sometimes. Like, that, like, fits mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to. So I get that. How can we bring this back, though? Do we have to create FOMO? You guys uh, missing out? <laughs> Maybe a little bit, I think, probably help. Yeah. People like, you would, you, you can't live without this, like, advertisements. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just those little changes that you make. And even those, those little changes in your lifestyle, uh, yeah. don't necessarily have to toss it out. Maybe you can cut it up and use it for something else. Maybe you can cut it up and use it for rags around your house. It doesn't matter. It's just that one little change, that one little shift. If a bunch of people do it, 
it's going to make a difference. Yeah. At this point, it probably is just quantity, like saying it as many times as the fast fashion giants are saying it. And we're never going to beat them because unfortunately with our society set up the way it is, it's somewhat necessary, not to the extent that it is right now, but to clothe everybody, there's going to be this. It it just is what it is to some extent, but you can shift it to make the hmm. sew so a button. Yeah, sew so a button. <laughs> Fix it there. It doesn't have to go in the garbage. Maybe hem your pants if they're too long. It's not the end of the world, and there's those small steps that you can make to change your lifestyle stuff. Yeah, like if you don't love it, don't buy it. Really think about, are you going to wear that piece more than once? Little questions. Yeah, I guess just being overall more conscious, right? So say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming today, Alex. Mm -hmm. It was so cool. I mean, exploring the cowboy scene, your life, a modern day cowgirl. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to go with it. <laughs> and then Not quite, but the image <laughs> the try to be. Yeah, Alex Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> and also yeah just talking about the trends and in like kind of predicting the winter ones and let's bring upcycling back because it's easy it's not like you have to totally redo everything just it can be what you want it to be it, it's so simple yeah think about that first one direction concert you went to and how you cut up that shirt and fringed it that was awesome right do it again <laughs> there you go <laughs> Thanks for watching guys. Hang out on our Instagram and social media because it's hard work. And <laughs> if you're enjoying this, feel free to donate to One Man Brand, bringing all these upcyclers to life and sharing them with you guys. And yeah, if you like the content of this video, we talked about, kind of gave a little rundown on the history in episode one. And then in episode 10, we took a deep dive into the cottage core aesthetic itself. So you'd like those, Alex. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They've been on my list. I've slowly been working through them. Good, good. And yeah, thanks for coming. Have a great rest of your day and stay warm. Thank you for having me. Peace, love. Peace, love, cowboy. Yeehaw. Woo. Yeehaw. <laughs>